If you got your Bibles this morning, I want to talk about the sent one. The sent one. Amen. A couple of uh, uh, other things. Uh, yesterday, uh, Tara and Willie, a lot of you know Tara and Willie, their, their house caught on fire yesterday. And, uh, uh, but, but fortunately, they got it out. It just, uh, it just uh, burned some of the bathroom. But uh, please be in prayer for them. Uh, they are such good people, and they're constantly taking people into their home. They've got somebody in their home right now and uh, helping with that. And, and just uh, so I know uh, they could need, they need uh, all the prayers. We went down, Marcy and I, and, and just encouraged them and saw them yesterday. And so I know they'll be glad to know you're praying for them. So keep them in your prayers uh, if you don't mind. And also Will and Casey's, uh, uh, Casey's mom, keep her in your prayers. Still battling uh, cancer, and keep her in your prayers uh, and, uh, and yes, and yes, and uh, Nana's brother is uh, real sick right now, so uh, please keep him. So a lot of needs, a lot of needs out there that are going on. Please keep these people in your prayers. Also talked with Brother Crowder yesterday, uh, missionary to Honduras, and he's been real sick and in the hospital. Uh, had pneumonia and several things, got really sick. He's recovering, but he's uh, still uh, trying to recover. And uh, so um, thanks to your giving, I had already, God had already impressed on my heart to, to give uh, to Brother Crowder, but it just hastened my wanting to give to him because one, he was concerned about the needs of, of overseas more than he was about his own needs. But I know medis- medication for himself was very expensive. I don't think he had gotten his medication in this particular area. So uh, Patty got uh, a checkup real quick and got it out to him. And so... Uh, thank you so much. We have been so blessed by people giving in this uh, church and uh, haven't missed a beat. We're, uh, today, I'm gonna, that's not why Melvin's here, but there's needs in Moldova, and I want to give again over there. You can't imagine, if you think we're suffering in this nation, you can't imagine the needs in the, uh, around the world, and definitely missionaries at this time. If churches are, 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 are suffering and are closed right now, that impacts the evangelist, that impacts the missionary, that impacts the drug rehabs, that impacts everything that the church does so well in the earth here, even though, uh, and so we want to keep on. God has blessed us, and we want to keep on doing that, and there's some uh, folks they are, uh, I tell you, and the, and the people that we know that are in missions, they are on the ground working. They are going and they are moving and they're giving to the poor and they're giving to the needy and they're building churches. And so we want to keep doing that. So uh, here and there. And so uh, uh, just continue to do that. Um, we were able to bless, uh, hopefully we we're able to bless uh, Rick Hagen's friend of ours in Auburn with their ministry. Caleb's work is going to be so graciously to give to a ministry and called Rick and talked to him this week and hopefully he'll come preach soon too so uh, he was grateful for that and so thank you all for your giving for the ways God's given I can't say enough about that and appreciate that let me go to the Lord in prayer and uh, I want to talk about the sent one this morning John three sixteen. if you got your Bibles Father we love you we thank you so much God, for the, the, the kindness and the generosity and the giving spirit of this church, God. I'm thankful that this is a church that wants to be here. They want to hear the Word of God. And Lord, they want to not only hear the Word of God, but they want to be moved into action, God, uh, and, to, and to be sent ones as well. And Father, we thank you for the friends and the people you've connected us with locally and around the world, God. And we're so grateful, God, that you've blessed us, uh, God, and you're taking care of the needs in this church, God, and in this community. God, I've had multiple people coming up and God giving for people who didn't have Christmas. And God, I'm so grateful for that. And Lord, then 
people wanting to continue to make sure our missionaries are in good shape and God, the church is in good shape. And you're just, you're just, you are a good, good father. And we just thank you for that. And we praise you for that. Thank you that this church is still salt and light in the earth. Thank you for the people in it, God. Keep us healthy. Keep us strong. Uh, God, keep us, uh, Lord, uh, about the father's business until you come. We know you're coming. It's so soon. And we want to be ready, Lord. And we give you the praise and we give you the honor. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't normally tell a joke. I'm not a joking preacher. I can't, I can't ever remember jokes, number one. But number two, I get too serious. But I was listening a while ago to a preacher that I love. And uh, he said, a uh, little boy was singing uh, uh, Silent Night, where it gets to the part, uh, Tom, sleep in heavenly peace. He said the, the little girl's brother was singing, and she was said, sleep in heavenly beans. And the little girl, like I can just imagine my sister, because little girls at that time, if they're the older ones or the older child, she just hit her forehead and she said, it's not, brother, it's not sleep in heavenly beans. She said, it's sleep in heavenly peas. <laughs> some of y'all got a sense of humor. Very few, but some of you do. So, uh, but, uh, but one of the most famous verses in the Bible this morning, and it's John 3.16, and it goes like this. Look at, look at the screen. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only... You can stand if you'd like. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life or eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. You may be seated. Hallelujah. There's all kinds of uh, names in the Christmas narrative. When you start to read the Christmas narrative, you begin to see all kinds of names. Like uh, you, you'll read the Gospels there, Luke and Matthew and other places. You'll start to see all kinds of things. You see names like Savior. You'll see names like Emmanuel. You'll see names like uh, a king is born. You'll see uh, he is called Lord or Messiah. Uh, we can't wait for the Messiah. And, and you'll see all sorts of names like that in the narrative when you, when you begin to read it. But, but the Bible tells us that all of a sudden in the Old Testament and all the way to this intertestament period of time that we see that they were, there was this anticipation, especially those 400 years of silence, there was this anticipation, there was this looking and this longing, this expectation that, that, that somebody was coming, something was coming, and somebody was coming, a Messiah was going to appear out of the, uh, on the earth at that time and they were thinking we need him to appear because we've been oppressed by the Assyrians they've run over us and now the Babylonians through the Babylonian captivity they were in around 586 they were worried about hey these people have ransacked us where is Messiah where is the promised one and they kept telling he's coming we've looked into the scriptures and we know he's coming and when he gets here this is what he's going to be looking like and they were looking for the Messiah looking for him longing for him and now they're under Roman oppression and they're under the grip of Rome and all of a sudden again they're looking for Messiah and all of a sudden they're waiting for Messiah and the concept of Messiah in their mind sadly was so twisted. Their perception of what they thought Messiah was going to be like just when he's now three feet in front of them he's right there in front of them and they're so twisted in their mind and in their perception of what he will be like they don't even recognize him when he stands right before them. 
Come on, now, I think about that often because all we're hearing, and we should be hearing it, is the return of the Lord. Messiah's coming again. God is coming back. The rapture's coming. All these things we're hearing over and over. We're seeing Mark of the Beast. We're seeing all sorts of things. You can't get this vaccination if you don't... Hey, you might get it. The governments might allow it. But you can't buy or sell or trade if you don't have this. And we're seeing and hearing all these things going on in our news now. And here, they were thinking the same thing. We're being being oppressed, all sorts, our liberties, our freedoms are being taken away. And we want the Messiah, the promised one. He's coming. We've heard He's coming. And yet, the Pharisees are standing right there. The ones that studied Him the most have this warped perception and they miss Him right there in front of Him. He was also called the Son of David. They they should have recognized the Son of David who was going to come to them. The child in the manger, the Bible tells us. God's salvation. A light for the Gentiles. The glory of Israel but did you pick up one little one little phrase in here that I want to go into today and it's found in John 317 this is we've had a lot of messages lately that have been kind of heavy and a lot of messages lately that have been uh, just uh, more of, of, of the times that we're living in this is just going to be a simple message today to remind you about Christmas it's going to be a simple message of the gospel to remind you why he came and what he came for and I want you to see if you picked it up in John 3 6 17 look at what it says for God did not sin and that's what I really want you to focus in on. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but, that, but to save the world through His Son. God sent His Son. And over 30 times in the Gospels, it mentions that God sent His Son. It mentions He is the sent one. He is the one sent by God. We see it over and over and over. I didn't come of my own accord, but God sent me. The Father sent me. And we see it over. I was sent by my Father. And so we study the manger. We study Bethlehem. We study the Magi. We see all the gifts that were given. We see all of these things. But the one thing we need to focus in on the most that Jesus was focused in on and that Jesus understood completely, I am sent by God. I was sent by the Father. I am the one who was sent. Look at what he says in Matthew 10, 40. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Or he that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receives him that sent me. I am the sent one. So in Jesus' everyday consciousness, he, he, he understood, I am sent. I'm the one who was sent. That baby in the manger was sent by God. He was sent to the world. For God so loved the world that He gave, or He sent His Son into the world to save the world. And so here, Jesus knows this. He has that in His mind every single day that I came. I'm the one that was sent to this earth and it's just like this let's say that I sent Caleb on an errand down the road and I said Caleb I need you to go uh, down through the stop sign and I need you to go through the four way I need you to go around I need you to go to Sharon Heights and I need you to take a left and you're going to see a dollar general on the right and when you get to the dollar general I need you to buy me some batteries because the microphone batteries are bad and so Caleb is a sent one and he is sent to go and when he gets to the clerk there he can say I've been sent here by my father and I've been sent to buy batteries what aisle are the batteries on and when he gets the batteries he pays for the batteries and he brings them back to the one who sent him right and Jesus was clear and understood that that is what 
his life was about. I'm not here on my own. Somebody sent me. I'm the sent one. And, and, and if you're sent, then you're sent for a specific task and you're sent on a mission to do something particular. Look at what the Bible says in Luke 4.18. It says this. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Here he begins to start his ministry and one of the first things he does, he goes into a synagogue in Jerusalem or in, or, or in Israel and he, in Nazareth and he comes there and he opens up the scroll as would have been done in the synagogues in that day and he begins to read and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He has sent me. And here's what He sent me to do. He sent me for a particular task, like to get the batteries. He sent me on a mission, and that mission is to heal the brokenhearted, is to preach deliverance to the captives, to give recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year and the favor of our God. So He enters into His public ministry, goes into Nazareth, says the Spirit of the Lord God is resting upon me because He has sent me to do this what I'm about to do. To proclaim liberty to the captives, to break chains, to loose them that are bound. Because I can't fulfill the reason why I'm sent without the Spirit of God coming upon me, Jesus is saying. He has sent me and now He's clothing me with the power to be able to do what He sent me to do. So Jesus was conscious of the fact that He's been sent and He's been sent on a mission to accomplish what the Father has sent Him to do. Jesus is trying to bring... Look at John, when you go to John 4, there's a great story in John 4 and all of you know it. Jesus is now into His ministry and He's coming to a town and He says, I must needs go through Samaria. You know this story. He's with His disciples. They could get somewhere quicker. But Jesus says, hey, we're going to go this way. We're going to go the long way around. We're going to go through a town because I've got to go through this place. And the Bible says that He comes to this place. He sends. He rests by a well and He sends His disciples out to get food. They're hungry. They need to get food. They need to get supplies. So He sends them out to get some supplies and he rests there at that well. They think Jesus is hungry so they go out and get the food that he has and when they come back they see him doing something strange. He's talking to a woman which rabbis in that day aren't going to talk to a woman much less a Samaritan woman. And so he's there talking to this woman and having a conversation there. He's trying to bring her to an understanding of just who it is in front of her and also that by the blessing that can come to her by believing in who He says He is. And that's what He's trying to accomplish there that day in this little town at this well with this woman doing the Father's business. He's there at that place. They come back. They say, hey, He doesn't acknowledge them and the food and doesn't say, give me a bite, I'm hungry. And so all of a sudden they're recognizing that uh, they're not. Uh, He's not just dying for that food that's there. And so they ask Him about the food and here's what He says. He's talking to her and he says my food and what keeps me going is to do the will of him who sent me that's the work that I do it's to do the work of the father who sent me and to finish his work that's what I've been sent to do and when when we do work what happens to us usually when we do work man we're depleted give me some water 
Give me some food. We go do work and we are tired. And that's what the disciples are expecting to see and expecting to hear. And all of a sudden they come back and learn something very interesting. That when Jesus does what he's sent to do by the Father, he is not depleted. It's quite the opposite. He is fulfilled. He is full because he is doing what the one who sent him sent him to do. If you welcome me, then you welcome the one who sent me, he says. Amen. And so if he sent, how was Jesus sent? Why was Jesus sent? Well, we know how he was sent. We just saw it in that, in that clip just a few minutes ago. He was sent through a virgin, right? He was born in a manger. He was born in Bethlehem of Judea. He, he, he came the way that the prophet said that he would come. He came uh, there wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We, we, we know the story. We saw the tax that gets put up by, uh, by, by the Roman government. We saw what caused them to have to divert out of Nazareth and to go back home and be accounted for in the city of David. We see all this and we understand all this and we know that he is, he is there and God is divinely leading an orchestra this whole thing and, and, and we see that He was sent because God we heard it in John 3.16 He has come and He sent because why? He loves you He so loves the world that He gave His only begotten Son but all those things we, so we understand that's why He was sent He loves us he, he was sent by the Father He's come through a virgin but what is the purpose for why He's sent? And I want to just give you three quick little things on what the purpose of, of why Jesus was sent. What was the mission? What was the purpose? And number one, the first one is this, to shine as a light in a very dark world. That was the first reason He was sent. He was sent to shine as a light in the very dark world. The Father sent Jesus as a light. We know this world was in darkness. It was in absolute blackness. The world was lying in such gross darkness from sin, rebellion, fake religion, formalism. I mean, he goes into the temple and one of the first things he does is he cleanses the temple because it's just full of people that are in there exploiting the people. They're not lifting the burden off the people. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not setting the captives free. They're not doing what Jesus said, the mission that he was sent for, that, that the spirit of the living God was upon him to do those things, to unloosen the burden, to open the blinded eyes, to cause them to see God these people are groping in darkness they're walking in darkness the Bible says for all mankind is sin and come short of the glory of God and these people are groping in a dark world and here God says I'm sending the light of the world into the world so that men don't have to grope in darkness and run into things and hit themselves and hurt themselves amen because some of you are living in darkness in this room and you hurt yourself every day by the things you do. By the choices you make apart from this book. Right? And, 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 and Jesus could see something. You know, He comes into the world to shine something into this world so we can see with clarity. How many remember, the older folks in this room like myself, how many remember, I remember going into a basement when I was little, into our basement, I think it was. If it wasn't the basement, I know at the place on the river we had this, but how many know when you went into a dark basement, oftentimes they would have those silly lights that was just a one string thing with a light bulb on it, and all of a sudden, 
you would have to, you would, you would go down into a dark room and there was no light switch to turn on. And so you would have to literally go walking in the darkness trying to find the silly string so you could pull the light switch, right? Well, fortunately, as a child, you usually, if you went to that basement or that room a lot, you would, you would know what was in the way when you walked into that room. You, so so you, even in the dark, you could usually know the path you would take to get to the light so you didn't get hurt. But if dad went down there or mom went down there and moved something and you didn't know about it, then all of a sudden you're going to walk and you're going to hit something and it's going to hurt, Right? While you're groping in the darkness, you're going to get hurt. And Jesus came because He knew mankind was groping in the darkness. They were doing things apart from God and apart from the ways of God. They couldn't even see God or how to get back to God. They were doing foolish things and doing things just according to their sin nature, according to the flesh and according to the devil, the dictates of the prince of the power of this air. And so Jesus comes or He sent so that He can be a light that is shining in the gross darkness. And so you don't hurt yourself but the Bible says he was sent to his own but his own received him not he was rejected he was he was sent to his own but his own did not even want to receive him into your life into their life and so uh, but but the good news of that is that no matter how much they tried no matter how much the Pharisees or the Sadducees no matter how much the religious people of the day no matter how much the the Roman government no matter how much anybody tried to extinguish the light nobody could extinguish the light even on the cross we see him hanging there and beyond till he comes out of the tomb and he still is the light of the world and he's still the light of the world to this day amen hallelujah amen why was he sent number one he's the light of the world number two he was sent to show God's compassion on the outcast and the soiled people what a good God amen He's a good, good father. He was sent to show compassion on the outcasts and the soiled people of this world. Those who were soiled by sin, those that were rejects, those were, that were sick. He sees Matthew. You remember, I love the, the story of him calling the disciples. And one we get to, and if you've ever seen The Chosen, uh, it's kind of interesting. Matthew is an interesting character in that, in that movie uh, of The Chosen about the life of Christ. And he's really they do a good job of what I would think maybe his personality this this analytical mind and this tax collector and this guy who's really seeking riches and all of that above everything else and so Matthew is there and he is a tax collector and Jesus comes by one day the light of the world and all of a sudden he comes by Matthew or Levi's booth and he says hey Levi follow me I mean it's just crazy here's a guy you're going to pick that's your disciple as you know to save the world this is such a strange way to save the world right Let's go to the outcast of the world. Let's go to the despised and the rejected. Let's go to the people that nobody else wants in society. And that's who I'm going to pick as my disciple. I mean, tax collectors were hated. They're not much better today, are they? Hope you're not a tax collector. (laughs) Jesus loves you. The rest of us, man, watch out. Especially April comes around. But he sees Matthew, the tax collector. I mean, he's a turncoat. I mean, they hired Jewish people to turn on their own kind and to take taxes and collect from them and then 
add yourself a little bit on top for your troubles. And so they just exploited the people and the Jews hated them. They were turncoats. And Jesus sees Matthew. He says, follow me. And here's the amazing part. Matthew follows him. They go to his house. And look what the scripture says. It's a house that is filled with sinners. Look at what the the next scripture tells us up there. It's a house that was absolutely filled with profane people. and, 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 and And in that place, let's see if they get it. But when Jesus heard that, ah, la, 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 go back. Oh, they messed my PowerPoint up. Y'all tried to fancy it up. (laughs) Yikes. Ah. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Look at verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publican and sinners? Go to the next one. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need a physician, but they that are sick don't need a physician. They are, uh, you know. And so Jesus is there, and all of a sudden the others are with him, and, and, and the Pharisees come in, and they see him, that he's called Levi, who's now going to become Matthew. He's called this tax collector. Now they come into his home, they're eating together, and they're eating with the scum of the world. They're eating with the rejects. They're eating with the outcasts. People by Jesus had friends like this Simon the leper I mean that's the type friends he had you don't touch lepers at this time you don't even get near lepers and here yet Jesus has friends like Simon the leper and he not only is with them but the Bible says he touches them he reaches down and touches them he hugs them he does things kind of that's what I love missions work so much for that's why I love going to places like that sitting around a table with just ordinary people most of the time poor people and they're there and they're giving you their food and they're blessing you and they're just taking the best they got and trying to give to you and by our standards it's not that great but all of a sudden they lay it out before you and they're just simple ordinary folks and they're giving you their best and they got on coats because they're cold in their homes and they're living just such a different way and you go in and you see their faces and they're just they're just dirty and they're just they're just the outcast of society that nobody really cares about they don't have good jobs they don't have anything and yet Jesus goes to this type people Jesus wants to hang out with them. Jesus wants to sit in a room with them and all of a sudden the religious of the day are sitting in their churches who won't even reach out and reach down to these people and all of a sudden they they, they just begin to criticize Jesus for hanging out with these type people and Jesus has a wonderful line. He just says hey, you know, does a physician come for the well or does he come for the sick? He comes for those who are sick. And so Jesus doesn't come when people are doing good. He comes to those who are hurting and that's why He was sent. He comes to the one nobody else wants to be around. But here's what we have in our churches today. Here's how people in America go start a church. Here's what they do. They'll say, uh, uh, here's what we want to do. We're going to go out and do a survey in this community and in the communities in Alabama and we're going to find out where we want to plant a church and we're going to do the demographics and we want 20 to 30 year old white, you know, just 
good-looking married couples and that's what we want in our church. And they go out there and that's how they do their demographics. Or they'll go in to another area and they say, hey, we want all black people or we want all Hispanic people and we want people in this society over here. We want, you know, we want the high society. We want to take and go in here. We want people with money. We want the guys who are deacons in our church to be the, uh, you know, have, have a country club membership. But I don't see Jesus setting up churches that way. I see Him going and being sent to the outcast and to the poor and to the blind and to the maimed. And all society and all walks of life are there with Jesus. Rich, poor, black, white, red, yellow are all around that table. The, 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 the messed up and the not so messed up are all around that table. The losers, everybody are there and He is there in the midst of that. And I love what those who are bound up, those who are chained, those who have no voice. I love Psalms 107 because you read that psalm and it begins to tell us about these people who are who are uh, going through all kind of trials and all through kind of tests and the Bible says some of them wandered away they wandered away from God they wandered away from the Lord they're lost they're wandering out in the desert and they don't know how to find their way back and they cry unto the Lord and God hears their cry and he delivers them and then you see in that passage fools fools are away from God the fools has said in his heart there is no God but these fools now are apart from God but they come to a certain place where they cry out to the Lord and God hears the fool. God loves the fool and God comes and rescues the fool and it says all kinds of people those in darkness. There's a passage there where it talks about those who are in darkness. They sat in utter darkness and they were in rebellion and yet the Bible says when they got chained up, when they got bound up with fetters and chains they cried out to the Lord. Kind of like I did in 1994. Kind of like this guy who thought he was good and went to church, the little Nazarene church all my days and came from an upper middle class family and thought I was pretty good even while I was out doing a lot of evil things. And God fought, brought me to a place where I understood, Daniel, that I truly have rebelled against God. Bound up in shackles and chains. Bound to pornography. Bound to lust. Going out on the weekends and drinking. Bound by lying and thieving and all kinds of stuff. Looking at myself and saying, what have I become and who would want this now? And all of a sudden crying out to God. And I'm so glad He makes Himself friends with people like that. Aren't you? I'm glad He likes the rejected and the, and the outcast and those that have made mistakes. He sent to take care of the messed up. Amen? He was rejected by the religious establishment. And, and, and all those who thought they had it together in society. Kind of like the Salvation Army. It used to be an organization. I don't know much about it now. I just know they hold and do their things on the, at, the, at Christmas times. But William Booth was a guy that was in the Salvation Army. And one of the great things about William Booth was kind of, he, he started seeing the church. He was part of the, Methodist, uh, part of the Methodist movement in the day. If you remember John Wesley back in the 1700s, they broke out of the Anglican church. And they broke out because it got so stodgy and stiff-necked and just 
didn't care about anybody. They began to, uh, you know, you, at that time, guess what? You would have had to reserve your pew in here or your, or your seats in here. Raymond, we would have expected a lot out of you. You would have had to write a big check for that row you're on right there because that's the way it had gotten in the Anglican church. Every year you had to pay for your pew and you had to pay a lot of money to get in here. And you had to, it was the, it, church had become just a certain way. And John and Charles Wesley broke out and said, no, it ought not to be like this. What about the poor? What about the outcasts? What about the people outside of here? Jesus is a friend of them. And so they began to break off of that. And they started a movement called the, 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 uh, the Methodist movement in that day. And Charles Wesley and, and John Wesley, they were on fire for God. But all of a sudden we come to the 1800s and now we got a man by the name of William and Catherine Booth. And they say, man, the Methodists have gotten all now stodgy and they've gotten stiff necked and they've forgotten where they were started out from and they we've got people on the east end of London and those children over there are being taken advantage of they're being worked to death there are prostitutes over there that nobody cares about there are poor and there's all kind of people that are on the east end side of town and we're doing nothing about it so he and Catherine began to raise up what we know now today as the Salvation Army and they did what was some of the first street preaching ever done and they went out or really made it famous they went out and began to preach in the street they had what was called the Salvation Army bands they got their drums they got their trumpets they got their instruments and they went into the east side of town to the nobodies and the nothings and the outskirts of society and they began to go to them and they began to go with the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ and those people were astounded and amazed why have you come well we're here because we've been sent we've been sent by God to be the light of the world and they came into that place and they're just blown away that somebody would love them amen and that's how your salvation army really got started back in the day and it was an amazing thing that happened that was taking place there they they uh they, they, not only did Jesus say he's the light of the world and not only was he sent because uh, he, he wanted to show God's compassion to the outcast and to the soil and to soiled of life and to be a physician and to take care of the messed up and the nobodies and, 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 and to be uh, one that, was, uh, that didn't mind being rejected uh, and being the outcast of the world. He was the light of the world. And then the last reason that he came is number three is he was sent not to condemn the world but to save the world man I told you it's real simple he was shunned he was mocked he was lied about he was gossiped about he was ridiculed he was rejected he went against the flow here's what I want you to hear really really good today Jesus went against the flow he didn't try to be like despite what everybody in the news media tells you today that we got to go with the flow Jesus went against the flow Jesus had no problem going against the flow because He knew what the mission was from God. It wasn't His mission. He, he didn't come and say, you know, if He came and said, I'm doing my own thing, it would have been one thing. But He said, I've been sent. I'm the sent one. And I'm sent. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And here's what I've come to do. This is the mission. Just like I would send Caleb to go get batteries. He's not going there for himself. He has a mission. He needs to go and do what I told him to do and come back and do what I told him to do. 
do, uh, bring the thing back to me. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He doesn't come and say, well, what's the world like? Let me get in the flow of the world. Let me figure out what y'all are doing. Let me go with the course of this world. No, He comes and He says, I'm on a mission. I've been sent by God. And here is what I'm doing. And sadly, it always, most of the time, went against the flow of the world. Rather than getting in and finding out what our friends like or what this one likes or society likes or our family like, He went going with what the Father wanted to do. And, and the Bible says that He came to His own, as I said earlier, and His own received Him not. But it was because He had a mission. He had a mission. And He didn't go with the flow so much that it got Him beat down. It got Him beat down bad. I mean, He got whipped with cat of nine tails. He was put on a cross. But three days later, as we know, He rose again. And that minute of shame now has led to where he is, has an eternity, Amber, of glory and honor and praise be unto our God. Amen. Hallelujah. The praise team can come. The last thing I want to say, now what? Let me lead you to one more passage of Scripture. So Jesus was sent. He was sent for those three things. But now what about us? And that led me to a passage of Scripture found in John 20. And you might want to mark it in your Bibles, but this is awesome. It's talking about his ascension. He's now died. He's now been buried. He's now been raised from the dead. And he's talking to his disciples right before his ascension. This is the same when I preached on second wind last week. This is the same thing as last week that, uh, that I began to talk about this very verse when he came in and he breathed upon them. This is that very verse. And he comes into the room there with these disciples in that locked upper room there. And all of a sudden, here's what he says. He says, peace be with you. And then he says these words, and this is what I want to leave you with today. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you now. And that's what he's telling us today in closing is, just as I was sent, now you are sent. You are the light of the world. You are a city that is set up on a hill. And what would Jesus want from us? What would He want? If we're the light of the world and we're to be sent, what would He expect from us? Well, the same thing He did. The same exact thing that He did. The same way He was sent is exactly what we're supposed to do. Do, do you, you know, we're on the same mission that He was on. We're to go into the same thing. We do what He did. We go to the outcasts. We go to the poor. We go into the highways and the byways and hedges. We do exactly. We don't go with the flow of this world. We take the gospel of this kingdom to the uttermost parts of the world. And we shine the light of Jesus. We are the light of the world. We go into dark places and people that are hurting themselves and that are making wrong choices we point them to the light we show them if they're groping in darkness for the string down in the basement of their heart we show them we turn on a light and show them how to turn the light of the world on and to see their way back to God and to see there's a seed that they a way that they can't hurt themselves so we have been sent we are Christians folks not the pastor has been sent not a missionary has been sent no you the Christian in the pew is sent we are the sent ones and we're sent into the world to be a light of the world. Amen? But what we've done is we've circled the wagons in the church, haven't we? We just circled the wagons and we just stayed with our own kind right here right, like, like William Booth. And I think it's time now to say, wait a minute. What about the east end side of town? What about the projects down here? What about this? What about that? What about my family members? What about they're in darkness? What about this one? What about that one? I'm the light. Jesus is the light of the world and now He's left and He said, now you're the light in the world. 
Now go and shine. Go and shine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And nothing was too dirty for him. Nothing. Nothing was too dirty for him. Let me close with a story. Jim Simla, a pastor that I enjoy, he was in Peru telling a story one time like we go into places and he said, he was in Peru and he said, at the end they were praying. He said it was hot in this place. There was no air conditioner whatsoever. And he said, he went into this place and he said he preached. And when he got through, he said they came forward to pray and he started praying for these people. And he said they, tr- they tried to, they do this in Romania. They put on their best when they come to church and and, and try to clean up and really, really... Uh, and so these people had done that, but all of a sudden there's this woman who sells street... like on the street sells apples, and she doesn't sell good apples because she can't afford good apples. She sells rotten fruit on the street. So this woman is poor. Poor. And he said, she looked terrible. And he said, he remember coming down the line and he's praying for these people. He's touching everybody. And he said, he comes and he said, he sees this woman and she is just nasty, dirty. And he said, she had this swaddling clothes with a baby up over the shoulder and that baby was just dirty. And he said, he can remember coming down the line that day and he was just praying. And he said, all of a sudden I got to this woman and he said, her hair was just a mess. It was nasty. And he said, I, he said, when I got to that woman, he said, I hesitated just for a moment. He said, I hesitated in my heart just from pride. He said, just filled my heart for just a moment. And the Holy Spirit checked him and said, it just absolutely got a hold of him and said, if you can't pray, how can you not pray for her? How can you not touch her when I touched you, Jim? He said, the whole world is much messier and much more dirty than this woman. He said he was in another place. He said, he said, he said when the Holy Spirit did that, he just, he said he just touched her head and smashed her hair and just prayed with her. He said that woman was going to leave there knowing God loved her. He said there was no doubt that that woman was going to leave there thinking this, that God, this preacher loves her and God loves her. He told one more story that just touched my heart that I heard recently that him tell. And he told this. He said he was in another place in, in a dirty, dirty place. And he said they were poor. It was in Argentina. And he said they sent people out in Argentina and uh, to, 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 when they sent them out to do churches that most of them had to just leave. They have no finance and they have no funds and they're sent out to start camps and churches. They live there and there's such poverty and he said he was there and he was with a man. They give everything. He said it was a man that takes him around. Kind of reminds me of when we go on missions. We have people that take us around. They spend their whole life just for the gospel. They give everything and they take you around and this preacher had, had just burned out, man. He had given everything I mean, to the point his body was shutting down. And he said he could remember being in this place. And all of a sudden he said uh, that he came out and this, uh, he said this woman just fell down at his feet and, 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 and as they were coming out of this place. And he said she started shining his shoes, started shining his shoes. And he said, I felt so uncomfortable. And I remember this. I remember the first time we went into Sasha's house, Melvin. And I remember those boys taking my shoes that night and taking water and just getting the dirt off the streets and off the uh, shoes. And, and he said, he said that, that this day they were getting the, uh, this woman came out and, she, and he's still in the shoes. And, and, and he said, I just felt so uncomfortable. And he said, I told the interpreter, he said, tell her, please stop what she's doing. It's making me very uncomfortable. 
uncomfortable. And he said the woman just, uh, he, the, the interpreter told, and he said when the when woman began to talk back to him, that the man just started crying, crying, and just started, and he turned to the, the preacher and he said, he said, she said to tell you, blessed are the, are the feet of those who carry the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. And he said all three of them just began to weep. And he said, I don't ever want to get into a system again of religion where I forget that we are the ones sent. We are sent to the outcast and to the poor with this glorious gospel and good news of Jesus Christ. And blessed, how beautiful are the feet. And I think about that Bethlehem night, and this is it for real. I turn off. I think about that Bethlehem night, and I think that humble manger. And here's Mary and Joseph who got humbled. They're humbled when they go to an inn and they're rejected. They're humbled when they go out back and they're in a feeding trough. And this is how the Savior of the world comes into the world. And then they're going to tell the glorious news. And they're humbled once again because the first people they tell the glorious news to are a bunch of outcast shepherds. That's the ones they're sent first to tell the news of this gospel of the kingdom. How beautiful are the feet who carry the gospel of the kingdom. We need to be humbled today. We need to be reminded that God was sent into the world and that now we're sent into the world. Hallelujah. And it's a glorious thing to take this gospel to the world Please, 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 please take this commission and this calling serious and let's go. Let's not stay in our homes. Let's not hide because of COVID. Let's go all the more now. Let's burn until we burn out for Jesus. The time is very, very short, very short. And I'm more worried about a, a physical. I told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm hearing people all the time. They're scared of all these things. And I said, you know what? That's fine. That's physical. I'll tell you what I, as a, your preacher, am scared of. I am scared of your soul. I'm your soul doctor. And I'm scared of the condition of the souls in this world now. We're so consumed with the physical that we are not concerned with the souls. We need to be part of the world. We need to be, I mean, part uh, in this book. And we, need to, and we need to be in church as much as we can. I know sometimes it's not safe to do that. But we need to be with God's people as much as we can. I'm worried about souls right now. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the message, Lord. We thank you, God, that you were sent into the world 2,000 years ago. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Oh, oh God, thank You that You sent Your Son. Thank You that You sent the Messiah, the long-awaited One, who would deliver us not first from Roman rule or Babylonian rule or Assyrian rule or oppression, but would free our soul forever, God. I was bound. There's people in this room, they are bound by sin. They are bound by pornography. They are bound by drugs. They are bound by sexual perversion. They are bound by lying. They are bound by stealing. They are bound by unforgiveness. But oh God, You came, the Messiah came, and freed us from the grips and the torment of Satan. 
and freed our souls forever to be forgiven and to live in eternity with You. And yes, one day soon and very soon, You will come and You will rid this world of evil and You will rule this world with a rod of iron. And God, you, all, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Christ and He will reign forever and forever and forever. And what a world it will be, God. And we're so grateful. But before then, God, I pray that people will make their calling and election short and they'll get their soul right with you, God. They'll get your soul right. God, they'll make things right with you so that they'll no longer be an enemy with God, but a friend. God, your arms are welcome. You said anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.